I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At Woods End podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> Kittens can be real assholes. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? Who am I? I only show. Oh right. my gosh! Ah, okay. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Elsa. I don't know, is that even a word? Welcome back to the At Woods End podcast. I'm Megs. And I'm Kim, and this is episode 34, Subsequential. Now, this episode, like many of the episodes, was inspired by a conversation we were having last week. Oftentimes, we'll be chatting about something consequential or completely inconsequential because we do a lot of both. And halfway through the conversation, we realize like, hey, other people might be feeling like this or I wonder where the listeners would side if we were to talk about this. Exactly. We'll often be like, okay, wait, let's save this conversation for an episode because one, it gives us a chance to dive like even deeper into the topic yeah. than maybe we would in casual conversation. And two, we're not content minds over here, <laughs> so we can't go wasting good podcast episodes on just the two of us. Exactly. So with that we being said, <laughs> yeah, and like we can't go wasting these like riveting conversations yeah. on just ourselves this is the best people. <laughs> that's just selfish so <laughs> so with that being said today we are talking about the subsequential life after the pandemic and like how we're feeling now how it's affected us and what's been kind of like a surprise coming into these months of a bit of a return to normalcy which i still feel weird saying like the fact that we're approaching some sort of post-pandemic period does that feel weird for you to say too I literally hate saying it. I feel like all pandemic words related to anything to do with the last couple of years are just bleh. And with post-pandemic, it's, I get this feeling of like, am I going to jinx it because I'm saying it? And I guess in some capacity, like here in Canada, we don't have restrictions. Really, we don't have the mask mandates have been lifted. There is like some sort of feeling of normalcy. But the thing is, like, I don't really feel normal (laughs) do you no not really like I do and I don't sometimes I wonder if like things are ever really gonna feel normal again and like we'll get to a day where it just like doesn't even cross your mind anymore but I think we'll get there I just don't really feel there yet which I think is also fair because we're really not out of it yet really yeah we are in the sense that it's like a bit more normal but we're not in the sense that like it's it still exists I mean I had COVID three weeks ago exactly it's not a thing of the past yeah and yeah while I was preparing for this episode I researched a little bit and just a couple weeks ago I was thinking about it and I just read into it a little bit more and Stephen Taylor who's the author of the book The Psychology of Pandemics Preparing for the Next Global Outbreak of Infectious Disease (gasps) basically (laughs) long title basically says that following a pandemic which I didn't know this but by the way we have survived 20 of them in 200 years you can expect to see a range of reactions from exuberance and hyper sociability to anxiety as people cautiously or in some cases not so cautiously resume regular life so where do you think you kind of fit into that range i mean short answer both i think i fluctuate between the hyper sociability and anxiety but i think a (laughs) lot of a lot of my anxiety 
isn't linked to re-emerging in the world. It's actually linked to my hypersociability and the fact that I'm <laughs> at my core an introvert. Yeah. I definitely am very much in a mindset right now of seize every opportunity because you haven't really been able to do anything for years and sailing lessons and circus school and committing to so many plans. Hold with on, friends. hold on. I'm having a memory flashback to you <laughs> in fourth year of, of university. I know we've laughed about this on the podcast before, but just a refresher. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. In fourth year, Kimberly said never go to say no and <laughs> no matter who or what group of people invited her out kim i'll be there and she was there <laughs> Tuesday yeah, night. to be like re-emerging into that phase which i don't know is like a good thing yeah. but <laughs> never gonna say no yeah i'm saying yes to everything and like just trying to get out and like i feel very like hungry for those opportunities right now because we didn't have them for years really yeah but then on the flip side, every few weeks, I find myself being like, whoa, <laughs> slow down, because I get so anxious and feel overcommitted at times. So I'm working on reeling myself in a little bit and just kind of like reminding myself to prioritize the balance yes. between getting back out in life and also like savoring those quiet moments that I really need. What about you, though? You're not really an anxious person, at least from what you've shared with me. I'd say busy and stressed are more so the words I hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, anxiety is not too too much of uh, something that I deal with. At least right now, it is more like the stress and just being very busy, all self-afflicted. And my very atrocious cold sore on just below my nose can attest to my level of stress <laughs> the last few weeks. But as far as like anxiety goes, it's more it's not an anxiety that I feel right now as as much as like a hesitance and being a little bit lost about where I find myself now like yesterday I grabbed drinks with a girlfriend and I had such a good time and I always do she's like that one friend that Tilo was like oh you're going out with her okay so you're gonna get smashed and I'm like yeah yes sir uh, yes sir I am <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I always have this like little moment where I feel maybe is this wrong and I don't know if that's just over the last few years like I'm not even sure where it's like if you were going out during a pandemic there was a little bit of like guilt associated with that oh yeah for sure yeah I think that was big too with even navigating different friendships I think during the pandemic and watching yeah. people's comfort levels especially in those in-between periods where we weren't in like lockdown yeah. but we weren't things weren't open and you know you had some people on one end of the spectrum that totally justifiably were like nope keep your distance you know I'm staying home and then there were people that were more so on the other end, which is kind of where I fell and and where like I was fortunate that like my family kind of fell into the same category of like I need a little bit of something yeah so it was like finding those people and you felt this like guilt of like oh like you know I don't really want everybody to know that like I'm hanging out with this friend today yeah, or like exactly. going going on this nature walk because like I don't know how people are gonna feel about it and like I found a lot of anxiety that way throughout the pandemic yeah. and I feel almost now I've forgotten all of the things that I was doing or could be doing as part of my normal life like you know grabbing drinks or dinner with friends going out for ice cream or even like going to a cafe potentially to do some work throughout the day which actually brings mm -hmm. me into my next question so like as many of you know both Kim and I work as freelancers and even though we were technically both working from home pre-pandemic Kim is like a full-time freelancer and I was just finishing up my master's have you seen this like subsequential time affecting 
you and your work and how you view your job and, and what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's, it's actually interesting that you said working from a cafe because that kind of ties into my answer to this. I almost feel like this is kind of backwards to maybe what other people are feeling because initially I had kind of built my freelance life more flexibly, which is obviously a, a perk and one of the few perks of self-employment. There's a lot of that, perks. There there are a lot of perks. There are a lot of perks, but I think there's also a lot of difficulty. It's definitely not not what people think it yes. you know, is <laughs> like do, do stuff. Yeah. to be. <laughs> that is one of the perks is the flexibility and being able to like set your own hours and dedicate when and where you work from. In those early years, I was generally, even though I still maintained that nine to five format, I think because routine is important. Pre-pandemic, I would, you know, take a break midday and go to a class at the gym or go and work from a cafe and, you know, continue to work at home later. And I, I gave myself that freedom. And I feel like now that I have those options again to say, go to a midday yoga class or go work from a coffee shop, I'm actually really struggling to disrupt my routine because I got into such a rigid routine being stuck at home. So you've forgotten that you can. Yeah, and like even though it's the same amount of hours, regardless of when I put them in, I'm dealing with almost like a lot of guilt around just like, it feels very chaotic to me to disrupt my work routine. That's been my everyday for the last few years. So I'd say working through that is definitely like one of the biggest things that I'm dealing with right now. Exactly. Yeah. I will say one thing that I've really appreciated that came from the pandemic was everyone realizing the reality of working from home though. Because I think pre-pandemic, like I had said a minute ago, like everyone kind of glorified this like, oh, you get to like chill out on the couch all day and like, like no, do whatever you want. And it's yeah. like, no. And like, as much as I would never want to be full-time back in an office, it is also kind of nice that those comments I know I received a lot of those comments like pre-pandemic from people and it like bothered it maybe it shouldn't have bothered me but it did bother me for sure no, because that, like, it implies like, that you don't work as hard or that you're not as busy as somebody who's I see the amount of dicking around that happens in an office okay you can't tell me that production levels are higher in an office or like you know like yeah that's yeah it, it's and, because yeah, it's an it, assumption of not doing as much or like oh you have yeah, it easy and it's like exactly so what if exactly I do? <laughs> you will you and like if you especially when you are almost putting in sometimes more work and people just don't see it it can be like very frustrating so i feel like that's nice that like those comments 2020 onwards completely stopped from people that's good yeah but, like how do you think your work has been impacted i mean i think the fact that i work at home or from home like it has become my entire work mantra which like I don't love and exactly like how you mentioned you know mixing up work environments is important or it was something that we could do or we can still do whereas like now I have my clothes which is like we renovated I have this like really tall closet and we renovated it to be my little office so it feels like a study nook almost at university mm-hmm. And it's a great space. I have my my computers here. I have my screens here. I have like, you know, printer, papers, whatever I need. But I feel like I don't even think to change it up because, again, it does. I, I agree that it feels like a disruption. Like, oh, my God, what? I'm going to have to pack a bag with what my laptop and my iPad and then I'm good to go. Like that's literally and I need myself and that's it. So I feel yeah. like when it comes to work it's just remembering the definition of like freelancer there is freedom to my lancing and 
I think the other thing that I really need to get significantly better at is just taking more time off because in my mind time off just because of doing so much schooling and then like starting freelancing just before the pandemic time off has always been reserved for like serious traveling like if I'm not leaving the country in my mind I should not be taking a day off even though like because of Hugo I am forced to switch up my days I think a little bit more than you and I'm forced to have a little bit of a softer schedule because I have to go do this or I have to drive here or pick something up for us so it's a little bit more fluid in that sense but no for sure I'll tell you so this cold sore is brought to you by the fact that I was sick last week (laughs) and I still had to pay my nannies to come and take care of Hugo, but I wasn't working. And that stressed me out because I'm like, so what, my clients, I'm basically paying to do the work for my clients. Like, I, you know, it's like a weird because I'm not working when I'm sick or I had to take some time off. But it basically got me thinking that I need to reassess like how I take like just quiet day like that I can take a full day not just like half a day run out to do an errand kind of thing and like work out a system with the girls that work for me in a way that makes more sense you know and I I think also during the pandemic I was always full steam ahead because what else could I be doing but now I need to like just pause (laughs) and be like okay let's reassess let's come up with something that's that I can't like it's like I have the opportunity to be more creative with my schedule and I'm not taking advantage of it yeah no I fully I fully relate to that and I think the taking time off is a big one I think that the pandemic because there was no other option especially when you're self-employed and like you can keep pushing and keep working and keep you know whatever it's really easy to fall and and with normal more traditional employment if people worked late hours because there was nothing else to do there was nothing to stop them from working you know all the way up to dinner watching a couple tv shows and going to bed yeah and now that we're out yeah. of that it's like you don't realize that like you've developed this routine for nearly three years and you're trying to break it and you feel guilty for sinking more time into your Other work things. life than you yeah. like maybe should and like yeah I totally relate to that and like finding that freedom in my schedule and that's something that I really in my kind of creative crisis of of early (laughs) spring where I like was getting ready to leave freelancing and I kind of came to this conclusion that I think I need to allow myself that flexibility again and see if that helps and part of that is like I really want to go visit my friend in Arizona and have like a working holiday which I've never actually done before but like, is, we like can go do somewhere. that yeah and still yeah work. like why haven't I taken advantage of that and I would probably like you know love my work life more exactly if I had those freedoms but yeah I totally agree and I think also with your scenario is like really unique too in that I feel like in having a baby through this pandemic and then also trying to like come back into this sense of normalcy is like you've never had a normal that involves a child and I think that like at least what I hear so often is that you know a lot of first time not even first time parents but just like parents in general coming back to like okay baby is getting a little bit older like what is this routine how do I get comfortable like leaving the house and like going and doing things for myself again and like you're navigating that on top of what everybody else is navigating of I need to find my life again just outside of the pandemic like you know like where where do you think having Hugo and all of this has changed things for you 
So that's such a good question. And I can say it's been on my mind quite often lately. Hugo was born the day we went into the third lockdown here in Ontario or in Canada. I think it was just Ontario. We saw so few people during my pregnancy and I didn't you get to like visit with people. I didn't have a baby shower. There were literally people who saw me like pre-pandemic and then the next time they saw me, I had a baby in hand. So I guess you're right. Coming back to normalcy is even harder for me now because I'm a mom and that's a whole adjustment on its own that like your baby, I think for the first like, I don't know, Hugo was... Hugo took out like all my attention for maybe like the first, I don't know, six months. And then after that, he became independent. He wanted to start doing things on his own. And then it wasn't just me with him all the time. And now it's like I'm thinking each week, how do we include fun things that we should be doing together? Who are we seeing? What are we doing to keep things like fun and exciting? It's also a difficult thing for me because we know so few people with children. So I feel like Tilo and I are in this own group where we have our group of friends, which we see quite often, but not with Hugo per se, because we'll we'll plan after he's gone to bed or when he's with a babysitter or with like one of his nannies. And so it changes like the social dynamic. I'm just telling everybody, I'm like, hurry up, get married or just have children. I don't care. I'm just excited to go camping with all of our friends and like bring little baby bikes and you know that kind of vibe and I'm just waiting for everybody to catch up but I guess this kind of just like social situations in general so I guess with like the social awkwardness and stuff do you find that you've experienced any of that like you're a very busy person when it comes to your social life (laughs) with your hyper sociability have you experienced or noticed that like some people are a little different right now Yes and no. I'd say my close friends know. I haven't noticed a huge difference in terms of my relationships and social life. I think for sure some friendships faded during the pandemic and some really flourished on the other side of things. Right. But I think that all kind of fits within the whole, you know, friends for a reason, a season, and a lifetime, you know? Like, I feel like it almost in accelerated that, that forced distance really showed who shows up for each other a little bit in some ways and just like generally like who if you don't physically see them who kind of fades into the background and that's not a bad thing you know it's just like that's life and I but I will say it's been interesting watching different people's comfort levels coming into this transition and kind of navigating that I think it takes a certain sensitivity and like empathy from people to understand that everyone's coming out of this on different timelines and in very different ways and I think it's something that like none of us have really had to contend with that before and being like you know we have this mass like re-emergence happening where like some people are are still super cautious like and we're seeing that with like the mask mandates being lifted like you know you've got some people that are very still on one end wearing masks everywhere they go and then you've got other people that are like i never have to wear one of these again i'm so grateful like (laughs) and like both are totally fine and great options but it's like it's interesting watching how different people are like dipping their toes back into kind of like navigating that and it it all comes down to people's situations and stuff but I would say that just generally watching people 
navigate other people's comfort levels has been interesting yeah and like i feel in many of the gatherings that i've been present at there seems to be like this like threshold for that little bit of awkwardness especially because like i think i've done gatherings with not as many just like super close friends like when we have our friends over for like game nights like that took a little bit like one or two visits and then like it was it was so easy and it was fine and it felt super natural but when we go to these like larger events then I feel like it takes people some time to like chat again or like I was at a buck and doe and I just like was talking to somebody beside me in line and they were very confused and I was like so this is normal it's okay to talk (laughs) at an event where like you we have we know people in common like I'm not just being nice you know and I could just feel that there was a little bit of just hesitation because I'm a very chatty person like I'll talk to everybody anywhere and yeah it seems to be like there's a little bit of a readjustment till people can like where people are just finding how do we fit what's appropriate and it's like we're all being schooled together on like how to act again right but we can't mm-hmm. talk about your busy social life without mentioning the amount of weddings that you're going to this year. So Tilo and I have like four or five weddings this year. We've already been to one. We have a few more later on this year. How many do you have again? I have five as well this year. And my first is Canada Day weekend. And then it's essentially every long weekend of the summer. Okay. Plus an yeah. extra one and one in the fall. So that's a yeah, lot. A bunch. Do you think that the whole wedding vibe will be different? I feel like, you know, kind of with this little bit of social awkwardness that everyone's kind of getting used to these larger events, do you think there'll be a chance for like a meet cute or is that not going to come back for a while? And I'll share every time Kim meets literally anyone who is single, I make certain comments and I make mental notes. So at her wedding, regardless of what role I have at the wedding, I will make a speech regardless if Kim wants me to on how (laughs) I knew the moment she told me of this person. Why? Because I made a comment at that time. And like the comments are generally, I have a good feeling about this or imagine this is it, lol. (laughs) Which I don't care if that's insensitive of me. It's called being prepared as a friend. And I feel like Kimberly would very gently tell me to shut the fuck up if she got annoyed with it. But yeah, just just like gently claiming every person yeah. I ever date in case they are the person that I end up with. I met a nice no, man. I, at the post I appreciate office. that you're playing. You're playing the long game. I, I, I can respect that. I'm ready. I don't know though. Like I, I think those chances are still there. If I'm being honest, like I feel like when. Everyone was masked and distanced and stuff. Like, I would say, like, summer of last year when weddings were kind of starting, they were still very, like, mask mandatory. Like, it was kind of the start of the vaccine passports and stuff. And I think people weren't, you know, actively trying to spend time with strangers. And they were very, like, keep your distance. Like, there wasn't really as much mingling between people you didn't already know. But I would argue that's not the case anymore. Like, at least not to the same extent. Because I think a lot of people are actually really longing for that like organic opportunity to meet someone new because it straight up hasn't been an option for years like i think people miss that interaction and the people that do miss that interaction will push for more of those you know right cute type moments at least i hope so because that just like sounds nice and like i hate the idea of like people being afraid to talk to people but like i'll say I think this post-pandemic transition will make the dating world in general quite interesting for the next while because, like, people are re-emerging from our, you know, prospective little caves and just, like, 
we've been talking about in this episode, we're all kind of trying to navigate these really complicated feelings about the world we're coming back into and our lives within it. And like, I think it's really going to impact people and almost be something that we have to work through in order to understand ourselves again and also like show up in like healthy ways in relationships right and like with anything that you're feeling it's always so important to like take that time to reflect and understand you know what's causing you to be upset or unbalanced or feel anxiety and that's especially true in relationships when someone else's feelings are so closely you know linked with your own do you think now that we've even just like thinking of talking about it a bit today do you think that's like made it a little bit easier to kind of move on absolutely like I think when you take the time to think through questions like this it gives you an opportunity to be more ordered and organized and a lot of times when you feel lost or anxious or you have like a sea of emotions putting pen to paper or finger to key you begin to kind of clean up this very messy, I don't know, array of thought, right? And the issue or whatever, like the main thing that's really bothering you becomes significantly clearer. And I always find like even like the best examples, like after a breakup, right? Like you just feel a lot of things. But when you start writing them down, you you can kind of just feel a little bit better because it's ordered and I think order brings satisfaction and order brings like a sense of calm and I'm curious like now that I've sat reflected and thought about it I think moving forward I now know like I I need to do a big reassessment of everything and I need to just gauge my own comforts and what I want to do and what kind of life I want to live moving forward what my work life's going to be what my you know role as a mom what's that going to look like what are we doing for Hugo where are we going everything like that so what, mm-hmm. what about you um yeah I think so too it's definitely more obviously than an hour podcast thing to work through how much this is impact all of us but I think right now it's a bit of almost like exposure therapy for me like the more I make an effort to push myself back into getting out and just like disrupting my normal routines the more I'm able to kind of resume that pre-2020 me to a degree and like the easier it gets so I'd say like I'm I'm hopeful but also cautious I think generally it's just important for everyone to know like it's okay for this to like not be an easy time because like we all went whatever we all went through to like whatever degree we experienced the pandemic it was a lot yeah and now we're rebuilding and it's like yeah it's very much a work in progress feeling for me yeah I feel like that's yeah that's a really good good way to put it right that like you're always a work in progress and it's always just assessing what's come before and looking at what's ahead and that's actually a perfect place to wrap up this segment so now we're moving on to the second second segment of the show so now it's time for the Okay. <laughs> wasn't, that wasn't even intro today. That wasn't even intro today. <laughs> okay. Now, I specifically named this episode Subsequential for two reasons. One, it sounds so much nicer and will look better on our various listening uh, platforms than rather than post-pandemic. Plus, I feel like that could potentially get flagged, so bleh. But secondly, as you know, I'm into math. I watch a lot of calculus videos on TikTok and I'm trying to find a free math course to take because I think I I can do it. (laughs) So sequential and sequence, 
they also have a place in math. By definition, it's simply forming a logical order, basically an enumerated collection of objects in which repetitions are allowed and order matters. So you may be thinking, where is Max taking this? I don't want to learn about math, but it did get me thinking about various sequences and I wanted to touch upon the beauty and just like the coolness of one of the most famous sequences known to the general populace. Can you guess, do you know which sequence I'm talking about? Is pi a sequence or is pi just a number? Pi is just a number. It's the Fibonacci sequence. So anybody mm, who's not okay. familiar with it, it goes 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34, 55, 89. And at first glance, you see that and you might wonder why a bunch of numbers in sequence so sacrosanct or important, you know, what makes them famous. For anyone who's unfamiliar with it, it begins with two ones and it continues to get succeeding terms by adding each time the last two numbers to get the next number. So your first two numbers is one and one, then the third number is two, your fourth number is two plus one, and so on and so on. So by itself, it's not very remarkable, yet there are no numbers in all of mathematics that are all pervading as the fabulous Fibonacci numbers. So they pop up every now and then in nature, geometry, algebra, number theory, permutations, blah, blah, blah. More stunningly, they appear in nature abundantly. So for example, which I didn't know this, the number of spirals of bracts of a pine cone is always a Fibonacci number. The number of spirals of bracts on a pineapple is also a Fibonacci number. They appear in, or Fibonacci appears in nature, like it's boundless, and they can even be seen to have connection with the arrangement of branches on various species of trees as well as in the number of ancestors at every generation of the male bee on its family tree so they're literally everywhere and so they're also connected to the golden ratio or the divine ratio whose value equals 1.618 basically as you work with larger and larger numbers and you divide them by each other then you get really close to this golden ratio number which is like really cool because it doesn't matter which numbers you use you'll get there so it's like two numbers beside each other anyways so there are other properties to this series so for example the sum of any 10 consecutive fibonacci numbers is always divisible by 11. two consecutive fibonacci numbers do not have any common factor which means that they are co-prime or relatively prime to each other which may be a little too mathy for everybody but that's really cool <laughs> and then <laughs> the sum of the first n or the first number fibonacci numbers is equal to the fibonacci number two further along the sequence minus one so mathematically there's just a lot of cool formulae that you can use using fibonacci but to pull it all together like the fibonacci sequence which at first glance looks random it's only upon closer inspection that we see the relevance of the subsequential number so this is a call to our listeners to me to kim who anybody who may be feeling confused or anxious to take the time to look at their own sequences and to find their value and their relevance moving forward cute thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) but yes that does conclude today's episode nice short and sweet philomath today and if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at at Wits and Podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And if you're following on Spotify, make sure you follow us so that you stay up to date on the most recent episodes. And until next time, bye. Bye-bye now.